Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Oconomowoc, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics. In a world ravaged by war and chaos, a group of survivors must band together to brave the dangers of a post-apocalyptic landscape. The year is 2000, and the world has been plunged into darkness. The nuclear fires have burned out, leaving behind a wasteland of ruins and radiation. But amidst the rubble and despair, a glimmer of hope still remains. Join Dork Day Afternoon as they face off against marauding gangs, enemy soldiers, and even the harsh elements themselves in the world of Twilight 2000. Will our heroes survive the challenges ahead? Can they keep their own humanity intact? Or will they succumb to the harsh realities of life after the end of the world? Two past midnight. An actual play podcast by Dork Day Afternoon. Aloha! It's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing the creative team, Ryan North and Erica Henderson. They are here to talk about their latest YA graphic novel, Danger and Other Unknown Risk. But before we get into that, I will be talking to Ryan about working on the current run of the, his, um, his run of Fantastic Four. And I'll be asking Erica, who is now I'm going to make it clear, is not drawing the Fantastic Four, to join in on the conversation um, as well. Issue 6 of the Fantastic Four comes out on April 12th, and also Issue 7, I believe, comes out sometime in May, and Issue 7 is the landmark 700th issue. Then, after we talk about the Fantastic Four, then we will be talking about their new YA graphic novel, Danger and Other Unknown Risk, from Penguin Random House. That will be in stores on April 4th. And um, when this interview is released, it should be already out in stores and in um, comic book shops. Ryan and Erica, welcome to Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having doing us. All right? No, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. Now, listeners, I'm just going to go over Ryan's um, history real quickly. Um, he has one. Brian, please feel free, even Erica, please feel free to correct me at any time if I got any information <laughs> wrong. So, so Ryan has won two Eisner Awards. One is for Adventure Time Comics, and he is also a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, he's done web comic called Dinosaur Comics. And as I mentioned before, he's also worked on Adventure Time Comics. And he um, has an upcoming Star Trek Lower Decks comic book comic coming out from IDW that comes out in May. Um, Ryan, I'm going to off the cuff question. Is that going to be an ongoing series or is that a one shot? That's a uh, one shot. It's a full story um, across three issues collected in a single book. So it's a one coherent, fun little story about Adventure in the Holodeck with Dracula, of course. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Now, Ryan, I also want to mention that you've also um, you've also wrote some books as well. Um, one of the books was called "How to Take Over the World," mm-hmm. and also "Choose Your Own Past Shakespeare Series." Yep. Now, Erica, Erica has won two Eisner Awards. One is for Jughead, the Jughead series, back in 2017. She has worked on storyboards for the third season of the animated series The Venture Bros. She that had- was something. I was an intern there, so I was not doing storyboards, but I was cleaning them up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you were fixing them. <laughs> I guess. All right. And then you also worked on the live action film Underdog. Also an intern. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, 
but the thing but but the cool thing is that it's it's one of those where it's like you were there you know <laughs> I was I was uh and I was in college at the time so I spent a lot of my time uh taking food from craft services and bringing it home <laughs> <laughs> um I understand uh, I I I I I know Eric I understand okay now um now right now also too as listeners you guys know Ryan and Erica they are the creative team and they have won an Eisner award for their work on the unbeatable squirrel girl now did I miss anything I think we set both sound pretty great <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now, do you guys want to add anything else? Like, do you guys want to spotlight any of your past works for listeners to check out or anything? I mean, I feel like the best thing to check out is the new book, Danger of Their Unknown Risks. But uh, it's all good. I feel like I'm not ashamed of anything I've written. Okay. <laughs> Erica? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll throw in uh, a book that I did with yes. Alex DeCampi, Dracula Motherfucker. <laughs> a, uh, I, it sort of based in 70s exploitation film Dracula story that's also about, uh, you know, use of power, which, you know, Dracula is already about largely, but yes. with uh, maybe less of the foreigners are scary part of the original novel. <laughs> Erica, now I want to check out that book. I do. <laughs> All right. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start off with you. Where can listeners follow you on social media? Oh, I remember social media. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter for as long as it lasts at uh, at Ryan Q North. But I mean, if you hear this and like, what's this Ryan guy about? Uh, you can go to RyanNorth.ca and it's got links to everything I've done, covers, little words of praise. It's a good way to get the lay of the land with this Ryan guy. And then um, your website, um, if um, listeners want to pick up a, like if there's no bookstore or comic shop near them can they um, buy books off your website yeah um well no <laughs> <laughs> uh, it links to to like online bookstores but you'd okay, have to go no, through no. them like i don't i don't ship books i'm in canada and it's a huge pain to get books across the border oh yeah mm -hmm. but you and buy then, them digitally and erica um where can listeners follow you on social media i'm at erica fails on twitter on Instagram, on Patreon, uh, the Threadless. It, it's the same name, at Erica Fails on all the places. You want to talk a little bit about your Threadless website? Oh, I mean, it, I just have a... It, every so often, a silly idea comes to my head, and I say, that would be cool on a t-shirt. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and then I put it up there. So much to say about it. Um, I, I do... There's one shirt I really enjoy where it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, John Matrix carrying the log. And because yes. you can do uh, wraparound shirts, the, the uh -huh. log just goes all the way around and comes back the other side. Oh, that's... <laughs> oh I gotta check that out. Oh, my God. Um, I have to tell um, a couple friends of mine about that shirt because they love Commando. <laughs> I do. So good. Um, I, and listeners, please check out Erica's um, Red List website. I've looked through some of her t-shirt designs. Some of, some of them are really fun. Yeah, I, it's pretty cool. All right. Now, um, Erica, I'm going to start off with you. Um, and Ryan, please chime in. For sure. our listeners, you know, um, you know, did you guys know each other before you guys worked on Squirrel Girl? Uh, nope, nope. Not at all. <laughs> not even a little. It, it just, yeah, I, I had seen Ryan before. Like, I had... I had, I had yeah, um, I went to the first Tapoticon, and uh, really, I, I, I saw you on that weird panel where you talked about selling T-shirts, and everyone was like, "I don't know what this is," including the people <laughs> on the panel, which was you and someone else. <laughs> yeah, that panel was supposed to be like a joke, and then half people were taking it very seriously on the panel and want to oh. talk about business, and so uh, <laughs> you know, we we learned a lot about. Making your jokes more obvious on a program. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> so, um, so did Marvel team you guys up for the so 
you guys, so basically you guys start to work with each other basically on when the Squirrel, Squirrel Girl book came out. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Marvel cast the book. Our editor, Will Moss, uh, hired me and Erica. And um, I don't know how they do it because we're hired to do a job, not to be friends. <laughs> but it worked out really well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, the first story arc was kind of put together before I, I met anyone, really. Mm -hmm. And so... that was already there but after that we started like talking more and saying like hey what do we want to do next for the next uh four issues we want to do after that so like i think we really started talking after those first four were done because before that it was just like well here is the script Mm-hmm. Oh, it was sooner than that, because I remember you saying, I think at like issue one or two, being like, I googled squirrels, and there's this Norse squirrel god, Ratatoskr, and we have to put her in the next arc. And I was like, done. <laughs> that that sounds like me. <laughs> um, that is so cool. But and um, that is so cool that you guys basically met on a working assignment, and you guys bonded as friends. You know, and and as listeners know, we'll talk a little bit more about the, your upcoming book. Um, you know, a little bit in the interview. So. Ryan, I'm going to start off with Fantastic Four. And Erica, please chime in. I'd probably be asking you some questions. Just, just you know, just chime in because I don't want you to just be It's sitting there it's fun. silent. You know. There's a, a fire guy, Erica, and a stretchy guy, and a rock guy, <laughs> and an invisible woman. okay. And her name Okay. is Invisible Woman. Gotcha. Okay. I've, I've got all the details. <laughs> all right. So, listeners, I'm going to let you know there might be a little bit of spoiler alert. Um, I'm not going to spoil any story plot lines or anything. Um, the first five issues are already out in stores. If you're willing to wait to read it on the, you know, the read it and trade on Marvel Unlimited, you can skip on skip this section and move on to um, Erica's, um, Ryan and Erica's other book that we'll talk about later in this podcast. So Ryan, I'm going to ask first dumb question. How big of a fan, uh, how big of a, Fantastic Four fan, are you? I, am I or was I? I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan now that I'm writing them. I feel like <laughs> it's funny. I mean, that's the honest answer. But um, I feel like I always knew about them the same way I always knew about Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and these other characters just from, you know, cultural osmosis. But I remember I uh, read an interview with my friend uh, Chip Zdarsky at one point where someone's like, what's your pitch for this character? And he was like, I've literally never thought of a pitch for a character until I'm starting to write them. I mean, that's the same for me. Like, I don't sit around and be like, what would I do with Fantastic Four? Until you get an email saying, hey, what would you do with Fantastic Four? Give us a pitch. And then you're like, oh, what would I do with Fantastic Four? What's, what's the big idea here? What do we want to do with that? And I had the advantage that the most recent one with Dan Slott was super huge, super cosmic, all this big stuff. And I was like, I'm never going never gonna to beat that. So let's do smaller self-contained stories. Let's make it like, you know, 60s Star Trek where four weirdos roll into town and they see a weird thing and they fix it and they help people and they roll on to their next adventure. So that was basically my pitch of let's do it smaller scale stories with the characters and have fun with them. And uh, that's what it is. It, it's weird science stories with uh, a stretchy guy, a rock guy, an invisible woman. and a uh, flame guy. I'm going to say it really works. I've read Thank the you. first <laughs> issue. I read the first issue. It had a lot. It it had a lot of heart to it. Hmm. And also, too, it like you mentioned, 1960 science fiction. It also, I'm not spoiling anything, but it also there was a little um, Twilight Zone twist towards the end. But then you just didn't end it there. You continued the story to show what happened afterwards. And that was great. Um, like you mentioned the small stories, even second issue, that was really, that was, that was a little bit heart wrenching. Thank you. Oh, great. That's what I was shooting for. It was, it was very touching. <laughs> It was very moving, right? And yeah, I mean, that's, that's the joy of these characters, right? Is that there's, there's so much uh, potential there with who these people are. And end of the day, they're just people with uh, strange powers trying to make good use of them, trying to help people. And so you can do stuff like You know, what if there was a town populated entirely by robots? Yes. Let's go investigate that. Oh, they're all doom bots. Even better. Let's let's Mm-hmm. explore what you can do with this. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a 
it's fun. It's really hard to write, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found it, it's fun, but it's so hard because like with Squirrel Girl, uh, Eric and I would have usually a four issue arc and then a one issue standalone, then a four issue arc. And so new stories, new plot lines would have to be once every four months and then once a month and once every four months. And I had this nice cadence to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic Four with these one shots, it's a new story every month. Yes. And so there's a lot of me going on walks, me like, what am I doing? What's the cool sci-fi idea here? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard, but I think it's um, it's making some cool stories and the characters are great. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Oh, okay. I, th- I think there's also just like a big craving for smaller stories right now. Like they're in so many, just in all areas, like movies, television, mm-hmm. and and like the comics. It's like everything is at a cosmic scale, and mm-hmm. it's a little alienating and a little tiring. Like it can be exhausting. Everyone lost their minds at the Hawkeye show. It was it was just like a crime boss. That's all you had, <laughs> and and it was like, oh yeah, these people are like sitting around being sad and fighting like a dude and then everyone went insane for it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but erica i under but i i understand because when they rebooted magnum pi i you know i love the original series it was all standalone you know standalone stories sometimes you you know there'll be standalone stories but sometimes they'll be dropping little hints of there's a bigger plot line towards the end Oh, mm-hmm. but uh, but the but the Magnum PI. It seemed like I think the reboots, or even actually the Hawaii Five O, when they rebooted that show, all of a sudden it's there's this huge um, background story of Steve McGarrett, his dad. There's a cons- and there's always there's got to be conspiracy, and it lasts for not just a season, but kind of carries on for two or three seasons. And, and yeah, and there's some episodes that are great. And then there are some that are just fillers. And you're going, okay, what does this have to do with the story? You know, I yeah, I I think the ideal is still um, the Deep Space Nine. We have a overarching story, and then every so often we stop to play baseball. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go play baseball in the holodeck, and then we'll get back to like the ethics of genocide next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, Ryan. I'm going to continue on. How did you get sure. this awesome writing assignment? Well, you already said you got an email. So Yeah, yeah, I got a, an invitation to pitch. So that is basically, what would your Fantastic Four look like? And you go for a walk, you think of what you're interested in, a book you'd want to write. And it's the exact same thing with Squirrel Girl. Uh, I got an email from Will Moss saying, hey, hypothetically, uh, what would your Squirrel Girl comic look like? And with that, I was like, I don't, I'm not Squirrel Girl. She's the one who talks to squirrels. Like, I didn't know a lot about her. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> yeah. So I had to take the weekend, I researched it, and then that weekend, like, yeah, I want there to be a squirrel girl comic. I want to be the guy writing it. So I had this whole pitch. And uh, I'd gotten better pitches since then. My original pitch for Squirrel Girl was just about Squirrel Girl. And Will was like, this is great. Um, Does she have any friends? Is there a cast? Is it just her? What are we doing here? (laughs) And so for the Fantastic Four pitch for my editor, Tom Brevoort, uh, I said, you know, here's the other people. It helps. There's four main characters, five, really. Yes nine if you count the kids so there's lots mm-hmm. of characters that are going to come with their own supporting cast um and just outlined what i want the book to feel like the kind of thing i want to write about some brief sketches of of storylines like what if there's a town full of robots what if there mm-hmm. is a time loop this sort of stuff and uh the hints at the overall story that we could have running the background d space nine style of here's where they are here's what's happening and that's it and we did a couple of revisions and at some point i was like you know, we're on revision four here. Am I doing, is this happening? Like, oh yeah, sorry, we forgot to tell you. Yeah, this book is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. That felt good. <laughs> um, Ryan, in issue three with Johnny, there's a deep callback to John Burns run. In mm-hmm. issue five, you brought back my favorite villain team that did a cameo, the Salem Seven. How much research did you do on the fantastic... Uh, on the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, you know, the sto- uh, stories. And stuff. I would love to sit here and be like, I've read every single Fantastic Four comic. I haven't yet. Um, I did read a bunch of them. Yes. And you just take notes of, of stuff that you like. Um, and those things, I already knew the Salem Seven because I was, we never used it with Squirrel Girl, but maybe we talked about it at some point. But I was 
I, I was aware of them. Did. No? I, I guess I must have read now. comics on my own for free time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the joy of this is that, you, you know, I'm doing research, meaning I'm going to go read comics for two hours mm-hmm. and maybe write down some stuff that I like that I could see us using. Can. Um, and that's the thing with continuity, right? Like you're, you're starting, the book is designed to be accessible to new readers. Like you can yes. jump on here. You don't have to read 80 years of comics. Mm-hmm. But also I don't want to be the guy ignoring those 80 years of comics. Like they happen, they matter. And continuity can bring this fun stuff. So things like that where you get to bring back this guy from the 80s. Yes. Um, if you haven't read that comic, it doesn't matter. But if you have, you're like, oh yeah, this guy, here's what he's up to. He's still a dick. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to say, Ryan, I was surprised when I read that issue and I saw that, I was going, how? Because I remember, <laughs> I'm going to say, I remember reading that issue when Johnny did that to that guy where he like puts his finger next to the guy's face and half of his hair burns is off, off half his facial off, hair. Yeah. yeah, it's hardcore. It was. It, it was like, wow, you brought that back. That was. I just thought that was pretty cool. That was. Pretty oh, thank cool. you. So, um, Erica, I'm going to ask. I'm just asking. You know, have have you checked? Oh, and you have your own, and you have the little Kenner. Um. Oh yeah, sorry, I was uh, just playing with it. No. <laughs> I love I you know I I love those uh, miniature um, action figures. Yeah, they're great. This is how I write. I just I smash them together. Their <laughs> stories. <laughs> Erica, I'm going to ask. You know, have you have you have you read any of the Fantastic Four? Are you reading any of Ryan's stuffs right now? No, this is putting you on the spot, Erica. Oh, that's fine. Well, I'm not reading much of anything right now. Uh, I've I've gone back into a uh, a nonfiction phase. Like I. I get into these phases. And I was like literally one chapter into a novel and I was like, nope, we're switching back. Okay. <laughs> Give me some uh, facts. Yeah. <laughs> it was a novel I was really excited about too. And I was like, yeah, I'm really into this. Then I was like, no, time to read about the uh, the ethics of uh, surveillance technology and like how it crosses with capitalism. <laughs> Can I recommend a book to you that I've been enjoying that's nonfiction? Yes. It's called The Book of Eels, and it's all about eels, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot okay. about eels. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that, that works. I have books like Potato, which is about the history yeah. of the potato. Favorite genre of book. I have one that's called Paper, Screw. Oh, just paper. like you take an object. Yeah, paper's great. You take an object, yeah. an item, and you here's everything you need to know about that item, and you're like, done, settled. I can now converse fluently on the subject of paper or milk, or <laughs> screws, or eels. Yeah, yeah, no, I love books like that because with stuff like milk, you start you start in the beginning, it's like, oh, how do you uh, how do you deal with milk when you live in the desert and you're a nomadic tribe uh, and the stuff goes bad in five seconds? And then you come to like 200 years ago and it's like, how do you deal with milk when people are carrying cows through the shit-strewn streets of New York City and <laughs> uh, the milk is actually half chalk? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, it kind of shows. No, I I know it's kind of a little bit funny, but it also kind of it shows that it's uh, it's in some weird senses you're reading this on your own, but it'll help. It may help you in the future when you guys do storytelling. I, yeah, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being yeah. sarcastic because Ryan, when no, absolutely when you're like you said, you read a book about eels. When you write the Fantastic Four, if you come, you know. Because correct me if I'm wrong, because one of the Marvel villains is is the eel. You know, right. I hadn't even made that connection. Yes, I can write that book off as uh, research <laughs> expense. <laughs> oh, I I feel like any book can get written off as research. That's more or less what my accountant said. Which is like, well, you do books, right? So like all books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've written for some video games, and I'm like, yes, I need to do some more research tonight. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to start following. I'm going to ask a couple more questions about the Fantastic Four, so I can move on, and I want to move on to your guys, your guys, great book, Ryan. In your scripts, do you ask your artists? I'm going to try to pronounce your artists um, for the first four books: um, Ivan Coelho mm-hmm. and Ivan Fiorelli. Mm-hmm. Do you ask them to push the limits of what Mister Fantastic can do? Yeah, I got I <laughs> maybe too much. Um, there is a part in issue five where 
Mr. Fantastic stretches himself through another physical dimension. And I remember on the cover, I was like, Alex Ross is doing the covers. And I said, okay, well, let's have uh, Mr. Fantastic. Let's have Fantastic Four being stretched across uh, four physical dimensions for this cover. And I got back a note from Alex. It's like, what, how do you draw this? <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm asking you to draw uh, three-dimensional characters in a two-dimensional medium going across four. Like, that's impossible to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did with that note of how do you draw this, came back with three sketches that were all really cool and got across the idea. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, so I, I, it is in a sense, I'm asking a lot of the artists, but also like there's no wrong answers because no one really yeah. knows what that looks like. So I think as long as it looks really cool, I actually sent included some YouTube videos of like, uh, shapes moving four dimensional shapes being projected into three dimensional space and how they would move when you rotated them. Uh, one was this 3d model of a horse that sort of turns inside out and looked really cool. So just, I'm not throwing them to the wolves and being like, draw four dimensions, but I'm mm-hmm. giving them some inspiration. Of like, here's the weirdness that happens. We can, we can play with this because there's some magic involved. Um, you know, I think a book like Fantastic Four, you should have that sense of wonder once in a while, like blow people's minds a little bit of, oh, that's really cool. Because uh, it blew my mind. I remember hearing about four dimensional shapes and like realizing how easy it is to imagine two dimensions and three dimensions. And then the complete wall I hit trying to imagine four dimensions. And being able to to have, push past that, you could have sent them uh, a link to the sequel to a Canadian thriller Cube, Cube Hypercube, two. Hypercube. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I have opinions on the Cube series. Um, I like it, mm-hmm. but I don't well, think, I think Cube really Two bad. Hypercube <laughs> is uh, mathematically accurate. <laughs> what? <laughs> Because it's the three parts of the cube that are moving, right? That one, the no, brooms I, are moving around. I know it. Yeah, it's it. It's not math. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're making a joke, and I'm like, but seriously though, I have to say, Ryan, going back to issue five, it's it's incredible what you're doing with Mister Fantastic, because what I've you know what I've seen Mister Fantastic can do is either. He can stretch. He can go through tight, you know, tight spots. Yeah. He can make his fist into a maze, but that's it. And but, but like that was mind blowing. Where you see like he's like there's it's almost like you know four yeah you know, there's uh, like you said there's four sided Mister Fantastic, and it's like mm-hmm. he can do that. you know it really yeah I think imagination. I think that's the thing with all of them. Um, I think some people who don't know the fantastic for that well kind of dismiss them as like oh they're boring like yes. i make the joke all the time there's the fire guy the rock guy the stretchy guy the a woman but all of these powers have so many cool uses that don't done that often and in the early issues they kind of were there's an early issue um where a thing gets mad at mr fantastic and so stuffs him into a test tube like compresses yes. him down into a yeah. tiny test tube and that's great like yeah. being so angry you smush your friend into a tiny test tube until he says he's sorry and then you let him out again that's fun. And you don't see Mr. Fantastic shrinking like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but the advantage of, of reading these old comics, both for research and for fun, is that if I want to do something crazy like that, I've got this reference like, oh, he can do this. He can yes. change his face. He's changed his hair color in this issue. Like there's, yeah. I think especially Reed, he kind of gets dismissed as the Borg one because he's smart and he's stretchy so he can reach things from across the room. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be the least imaginative power, least imaginative use of a stretchy power is to mm-hmm not have to cross a room to get a vessel of water and bring yes. it to your lips. So I, okay, now it's my turn to uh-huh. get obsessive. So what, does he like thin out the pigmentation in his own hair, like to change the color? Does he like So I think what he's doing, that way? yeah, I think what he's doing is uh, things are colors because they reflect certain wavelengths. And I think he's stretching out the parts that are reflecting light to make them lighter or darker by stretching or compressing, like a balloon, right? If you stretch it, the color gets thinner. If you compress it, it gets thicker. And I think if he's, I think he's doing that far enough that he's stretching across the visual spectrum to change colors that way. I mean, this is okay. comic book science, but that's how I justify it. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, Erica, this question is for you. Will we see you guys team up for a Fantastic Four story in the future? Yeah, Eric. <laughs> uh, but, but I don't know. No one's asked me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you get a call from Marvel going, hey, you know, we need a 
either a one story or two story um, to fill in. Ryan will be writing it. I mean, you get the call from me. Um, I think I'd be like, Erica, do you have a couple free months? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of basically it, right? Like, when I get the call, do I have a couple three months? But like, I would. <laughs> like, if I have a couple free months, when that call comes, I would. <laughs> but that's. I feel like that's always how it is with work stuff. Like, I am about to look over a contract for something, and when we were talking about it, uh, the person who's writing it was like. Yeah, we've been talking about doing something for six years and like this is finally it. And I'm like, yeah, what I just think with Kyle Starks was like we were talking for six years. It's just when everyone has these ins these weird schedules, you just have to like wait and wait and mm -hmm. wait for the planets to light up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. No, I I have some understandings about that, but that yes. Um and then Ryan I'm off the cuff question, and I'm just joking. So if Erica does a one-shot story, standalone story with you. Are you going to make Mr. Fantastic change his color, hair color in that one? <laughs> I just have a huge sequence explaining how it works. Just like a 10-page sequence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll be the whole thing. <laughs> Remember when I changed my hair color? Here's how I did it. 20 pages later. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. I would just, because of my current obsession, or current I, it's always a constant obsession, but I'm thinking about it more lately. It would have to be about Time Cube. I'm sorry, Time Cube? <laughs> time oh, Cube. Boy. So his life, from what I've read, is wild because he had a couple of apprentices that he then accused of betraying. But I feel him. like we need to explain what Time Cube is. Yes. Yes. And why okay. people know about it. <laughs> Erica, please take it away. Um, it's it's a website from like the the early days of websites when you had to like you know, learn how to know HTML to do anything, even to like have an angel fire. <laughs> um, and it it's about this guy's math and scientific theories about Time Cube, but it reads like if someone in a movie came across like the serial killer's lair and found their journal. But it's mm -hmm. all about like Time Cube. But it, it's just it's just written in this way where it's like, oh, this person's unhinged. <laughs> and the it's all sort of free flowing thoughts. Um, it's written as if you, the reader, already have some idea of what time cube is. Mm -hmm. Like you're being brought in to something. It's mm -hmm. just the experience of looking at it, like, makes your brain tingle. <laughs> It's, it's so absolutely weird. inscrutable like the words are all pretty simple so like i will figure out what a time cube is and then there's diagrams and i feel like a, a mouse looking at like blueprints for the space shuttle i'm like i don't understand any of this <laughs> but what are you saying about the guy oh last time i was reading about him uh, he had a couple of apprentices apprentices who were like we're big into time cube and please teach us more and as I recall, they kept ending with him accusing them of betraying him in some way. Like he's, it turns out a guy with a crazy thing about time uh, might not be the most stable person to form a relationship with. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that's time cube. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to danger and unknown risk. <laughs> now I'm going to read. Um, oh, shoot. And I forgot, I forgot who um, gave you guys this quote. Well, this comic has everything. Brilliant artwork, a roller coaster story, sharp comedy, heartfelt teen romance, and the best talking dog ever. I loved it so much. And I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know who wrote it either, but they're okay. great. <laughs> I, I wrote it down last night and I forgot to put the person's name down. I'm, I'm sorry about that. So, Erica, I'm going to start off with you. What is this story about? Okay. Uh, it is about a uh, girl named Marguerite who goes off with her dog Daisy mm -hmm. to basically save the world. Uh, it's a, a fun adventure with friends, but it's also about contemplating how we continue into the future in a world where there is no future. Ryan, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think that she has a much better answer for that than I do because I always follow like, yeah, it's a woman and a dog and they go on an adventure and they don't really talk about what the story is actually about. But it is that. It's about, um, it's fun and it's funny, but it's also like examining systems of power and 
Mm-hmm. Well, we owe to each other and all these um, things that really interested Erica and me. The book had its origin with us talking about um, stuff we like, stuff we don't like. And we both had uh, some strong opinions about chosen one narratives and this idea of like being special based off dint of your birth and having this foretold destiny and all that stuff that mm-hmm. kind of rubbed us both the wrong way. We want to tell a story that's not about that, that's kind of examining that and having fun with the idea of being raised from birth to complete a quest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very twisty story. There's, I think, maybe one chapter in, you're like, I know where this is going to go. And then by the time you're at, at the end of the book, you'll be like, I did not know where this was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that it did. And then before I forget, Ryan, thank you very much for an advanced reading copy. Listeners, I've read it. I love this book. It's really great. Thank you. Um, before, But before I get into saying what I really love about the book, I want to keep going a little bit more about um, to let listeners know, like, um, like I want to ask, like, can you, for our listeners, can you, we already said Daisy is a dog, but Daisy is a little bit more than a dog that just kind of accompanies Marguerite, too. <laughs> and, like, you know, can you guys talk a little bit more about Daisy, and was Daisy based off uh, someone's pet, either you, Ryan, or you, Erica? Uh, Daisy, so one of the interesting things about how this book got started was that we had contracts to do a book and that was it Complete it was blank a page. blank slate mm-hmm. and um as we were just talking on the phone and throwing out ideas uh ryan kept throwing in and there's a talking dog and at a certain <laughs> point it was like okay we need to just start with the talking dog and see where we go from there and so it's it's not anyone's talk anyone's dog really okay. um it was just like okay Dogs are cool. Mm-hmm. Let's have this talking dog. Yeah. <laughs> if this is the price of admission with Ryan. <laughs> but it's funny because that's where a lot of the story, um, we, real- we had a conversation about this uh, last week, earlier this week. And I realized that that's where a lot of the decisions from the story came from. Like once you start with the talking dog, mm-hmm. then that implies, okay, well, we have this fantasy setting. Like a lot of the initial choices we made that narrowed down this blank slate, as Erica says, into something that we're actually telling a story um start with this one idea i apparently i have no memory of this insisted on of having a talking dog (laughs) i don't think it was so much that you insisted on it it was just as we would go down a rabbit hole you would throw it in but i don't think that you you had it i don't think one good idea you know waiting it's not like you were waiting in like to toss it and be like all right now's the time for talking dog you were just like hey you know it'd be good Because we had, there was one initial idea of like a detective story. I think we were like, what if we had a detective story? And I was like, talking dog, detective. <laughs> this is not a detective story. It's an adventure story. But yeah, there is yeah. a talking dog. Yeah. Um, now, I'm also going to put, because your story starts off basically December 30, because the key moment in the story is December 31st, 1990. And I, I'm just asking you guys, and... Eric, I'm going to start off with you, you know, like, can I ask, why did you guys show that specific time period? Um, one, it's, while this book is YA, and it's for uh, people who are younger than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, it's for everyone, but like, that that's, you know, if you're going to talk about, to like a marketing person, that's who it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a piece of history for them. But it's also a thing that we lived through. And it's a, it was a weird moment because it was like, uh, Ryan has more to say about this, but like it was a time when a lot of people thought that like the world was ending and if the world wasn't going to end, some horrible disaster was going to come. And it was about, the, and it was like, it was kind of tied into like this complete misunderstanding of what computers are and can do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is always kind of fascinating, like the way we turn technology into a mystical thing because we don't know what it is and anything we don't know what it is is like some kind of demon. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, Ryan, you had more. I mean, that's that's basically it. I When I was in uh, well, you undergrad, yeah, I got a job working at Emergency Preparedness Canada, which was part of the government concern to make sure the computers are up to date for Y2K. Yes. And so I was... Uh, got to travel across Canada updating computers and I got to 
be there in the uh, nerve center for New Year's Eve watching the rollover. And I mean, what I liked about setting our story then is you have the sort of media fear of Y2K, what's going to happen? Planes will fall from the sky. And that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen in real life. Doesn't happen in the books, in the book. But in our book, something unexpected happens and magic comes into the world. And that's an even worse disaster. I just like the idea of <laughs> Y2K being something that happened, but not for the reasons that we expected. <laughs> yes. And Eric was pointing out, like, yeah, for people, for younger people who read this book, Y2K is history. Like, it didn't happen to them. It's mm -hmm. just a blip in the past. But for older readers, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember yes. those times, those heady days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going to jump to a fun question, then I'll come back to some little bit more into the story. Is There's a fun question. Now, throughout the book, it's nicely seasoned with pop culture references. You guys... It, because I think I've seen like two or three pop culture references in the story. In the opening pages, my question is, why did Uncle Bernard mention Deuce Bigelow in the opening pages? <laughs> it's uh, such a good Because that name. is a movie that came out in uh, right at the end of 1999. So oh. it would have been a very fresh movie. And also, uh, I, it's sort of like a hilarious pull from 1999. There's like a lot of cool movies in 1999, and that's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the movie tells you exactly what it is, right? Like, had it been called... Uh, you know, Gigolo, that wouldn't tell you much, but a movie called Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, it's like, okay, this, I have a sense of what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the specification because Gigolo means a, you know, <laughs> male sex worker. Yes. You know, it's, it's like saying male incubus. Like, we, we know that this is a, a thing that has sex and is male. Uh, what was that? There was a movie in the early 2000s. I think, was it called Day Pass or something? The idea that you get a day off your marriage to go have sex with someone else? Oh Hall God. Pass, possibly? There was some name. They invented <laughs> a term for it. And they spent the whole movie explaining what this term was. Kind of like how Bucket List popularized this idea of a bucket list. <laughs> but this was trying that and did not succeed. I, I feel like people talk about, like, you know, your, like, theoretically, like, oh who would your five passes be and they would like name five celebrities yeah. that mm -hmm. like it's okay to have sex with if you're married mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I think it did work in some extent but i don't know if it's called a hall pass i forget <laughs> what it was called didn't make that much of an impact um yeah i wonder if people have those conversations in like los angeles where you could conceivably just bounce into you know keanu reeves oh. and be like you know maybe <laughs> yeah my wife says it's fine where i live it's between uh, John Malkovich and Neil Gaiman, and I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving along. <laughs> so, um, um, I want to go back to I'm sorry I'm sorry, Erica. I know I'm gonna sound a little bit like Ryan. I'm gonna talk about Daisy, the talking dog, a little bit. It's Ryan's... everyone talks about Daisy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan, um, because when I read. Marguerite and Daisy, I, what was pretty cool about it was it reminded me of the Harlan Ellison story, just just so, just a boy and his dog. I'm just asking, you know, did that have some influence on this story? Because it, it's kind of like, you know, the chosen one, you know, a person with a dog, this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. future. I, I'm just asking. So our working uh, I, title. I, I have the story. a story here. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. I'll you go, Eric. Uh, you got a good answer. Our working title was uh, "A Girl and Her Dog," and oh. I had sort of picked it because it had all these similarities, but I wasn't planning on it. It would sort of happen that way. Yeah. And then people were like, when we were trying to figure out a title, they were like, "This is a good title," and I was like, "We cannot use this title. It is based on this thing. It is yes. tragic." <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, and it's, yes, it's, <laughs> it's and brutal. It was, Yes, and if and it doesn't work out well for the dog, <laughs> I I feel like maybe I mean for the dog maybe, but like the dog's not a good person either. Yeah. Oh no! And also, yeah. too, this is this is Harlan Ellison. You know, he doesn't yeah. nice. He doesn't write nice, clean science fiction stories. <laughs> no, no, he did not. So, all I right. mean, it, in a way, it our story is a lot about like how after. After a disaster, life and civilization and humanity moves on, and his is uh, the exact opposite of that. 
<laughs> it precisely is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to tell you guys what I really love about the story. I love Marguerite because she's this young girl who's determined to complete her mission. And Erica, I love how you said that. And I didn't realize until now that um, just trying to find hope in like a in a in a in in some futureless um not future um you know like she just wants to complete her mission um and i love daisy you know and the thing is and like you guys mentioned like you know this is supposed supposed to be you know marketing purposes is focused to young adults i love it because it's also written for um adults as well just like me because it's these are well-rounded, likable characters, and it's a very complex story. It is. And Ryan, like you said, that there's twists in this that I'm kind of thinking, okay, I know where this story's gonna go. I know where this yep. story's gonna go. And then <laughs> one chapter before, I think it's either the last chapter or a chapter before, it there's a there's twist in there. And then the and if I think if I remember correctly, the final chapter reveals what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other thing is, but at the end of the story, there's still hope. There's still optimism that, you know, that Marguerite and Daisy, they, they still continue forward. They still move on. They, they create their own future. So that's what I really love about that. But do you guys want to comment or add anything else to this? Erica, you've, you've said uh, elsewhere, I remember talking, and it struck me this idea of um, one idea of catastrophe is that everything ends and it's over, you know, we're all dead at the end. But in actual history, like we survive catastrophes, people continue. And the initial meaning of catastrophe is not disaster. It's just a sudden change. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think that's sort of core for me too. It's the idea of Marguerite as a woman who is raised in this world after magic has come back and it's all she's ever known. She's on a mission to, to save it from that. But she experiences the world in a different way than someone who remembers what it was like before yes. magic. And I think it's a really interesting uh, relationship and a way to sort of explore, you know, who gets what they want, who, yes. that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, apocalypse, the full meaning of apocalypse, I think comes into this book. Uh completely unrelated to the question i was just thinking about what you're saying uh just now and what i said earlier about technology being magic to some people especially like the way we talk right now not uh specifically but discourse all around ai is like oh mm-hmm. this is a person that thinks mm-hmm. uh yep. it is uh some great god that we must decipher <laughs> um and oh it drives how... me crazy yeah 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 yep me too uh we have this uh, this main character who grew up in this world where you have this thing, this like mystical thing that's actually you know a tool you can use. Yes. That uh, she grew up in, but there are people around her, older people who like some grew up before it, and now they have to adapt. And I was I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a little bit of a uh, millennial Gen X thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, oh yeah, remember before when you'd go outside and do stuff? <laughs> Kids today, get off my lawn. <laughs> but the other thing, but Erica, you point out a very, because I forgot also too, that also the story is about a conflict between the past and the future. Because it, in the story, we see little snippets of Marguerite when she was a little bit younger and Uncle Bernard and Uncle Bernard is going, Kind of like this is what we did. This is what we did, you know, and and also too that was the other feeling when I was reading through the story was, um, the you know um, the past and the future, the pa- the conflict between the past and the future. I you know I, yeah, I just yeah, I think that, that there's uh there's a lot about how we think about the past, like our own personal past, and also the past in general, and mm-hmm. like whether you find comfort in it because you're able to just sort of pretend like everything was fine or it was fine because you were a little kid and you didn't, you know, know about the Gulf War or whatever. (laughs) Uh, um, And, you know, looking at that and being like, oh, no, wait, 
no i i was fine because i was like eating ice cream but the gulf war was happening Mm -hmm. during that time when i was eating ice cream (laughs) (laughs) uh and then you know people who look further back where they sort of idealize a past before them even and say no look this was great because i watched leave it to beaver in reruns and everything was fine Mm -hmm. the best music ever happened to come out when i was 14 years old (laughs) (laughs) ryan do you want to add anything to that before i start moving on no i think i think uh it's a good answer erica (laughs) thank you (laughs) All right, Ryan, I'm going to start off with you. Do you do you want to give a shout out um, to anyone, editors um, who or other creative pe- um, creative uh, team members that helped you on this book? Even you. Yeah, have- I mean, I mean, the whole the whole team uh, did it. It's uh, the main thing that I think I'm the most thankful for is the trust that they gave us because we had a uh, a blank sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, we had like maybe a half hour phone conversation when I came on with the others and the rest of people at uh, Penguin mm-hmm. being like, yeah, we're going to do a book. I don't know. I think it'll be like a collection of short stories. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. And they said, yes. And went with it. And then we gave them what was not a collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> they were down with that too. So I think that is a lot of uh, trust that I'm very grateful for that they let us sort of gave us enough room and time to to find the story and to explore the different versions of it because we did uh, over 20 drafts of this story oh, mm-hmm. so it was a very exploratory <laughs> process erica do you want to give us shout outs to anyone uh yeah I, I mean i think specifically the people we were working with were uh rachel sonas who's no longer a penguin she's at time now and mm-hmm. uh mary claire cruz who was our uh rachel was our editor and marie claire was our uh art director mm-hmm. and yeah like both of them i think gave good notes but also were open to pushback and everything was it was like a, it was a good collaboration you know nothing it never felt contentious and you never know when you're dealing with new people whether or not <laughs> you know they're yeah whether things are going to go bad mm-hmm. and it was it was all it was all great um Erica. Mm-hmm. Oh, i'm sorry continue sorry yeah. oh no, that, that was it um now forgive me this is an off the cuff question and I couldn't find it in the crisp, or I may have missed it. Um, did you did you do the colors on the book? Or was it yes. someone? Okay, you did the color. Okay. Because I love the colors. They were great. Yeah, it was really oh, nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, obviously, scene to scene colors will change if you're moving from different spaces or if, you know, it goes from day to night, which one of the chapters definitely does. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted you to be able because every chapter is in a different place to be able to open the book and be like oh i know what chapter i'm in because these are the colors i'm seeing oh okay yeah oh, that's because I, I just wanted each place to feel unique like as soon as you saw it you have to stop to think about it mm-hmm. okay. no that's pretty cool um erica this question i'm going to start slowly wrapping things up erica i'm going to ask you gave a shout out to dave in this book who is dave and you mentioned in in the opening pages. And did you keep your promise to marry him before this book will be out? Uh, yeah, we are married. Uh, Dave, I guess, is my husband now. Mm-hmm. He was my husband when I wrote that. <laughs> but I, I like the idea of, um, since we're dealing with past and future, of having this thing in the book that it, like, by the time the book comes out, will be the past, but when it was written, is the future. Oh, that's nice. That that that's really nice. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start with you, and now I'm going to ask Erica. What was the most What was the most fun or exciting thing or things that you guys work, liked working on this book? Uh, I think the answer for me is pretty obvious. Where um, the collaboration there. And I had with this was um, much closer than what we'd done on Squirrel Girl, where we were revising each other's drafts, passing them back and forth, um, mm-hmm. striking whole chapters, characters lived, died, changed gender, all this stuff. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you wouldn't do with someone if you didn't trust them. You would, it would be uh, really emotionally raw. <laughs> like I wrote a beautiful book, and now the best <laughs> chapter is gone. Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, so that was that was. Uh, Fun and exciting for me. 
It's something that I hadn't done before. Yeah, it almost, now that I think about it, it seems very cinematic. It's the sort of thing where if it were in a movie, you'd be like, that's not how writing collaboration works. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would but, be in a montage too. We yeah, just have just... the script, script flying back and forth and like a red pen crossing things out <laughs> and a blue pen circling things and writing yes and underlining yes three times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was really a unique way of working that I think really worked out for us. And I think it worked really well, just like Ryan said, because we we trust each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, obviously you can tell from the way we were talking about our nonfiction books earlier that we mm-hmm. have similar things we obsess over, but I think there are, we come at things from different angles. There was another time we were talking about science fiction and being into science fiction growing up and, you know, still being into it. Mm-hmm. But like Ryan was talking about how he was into like hard science fiction where you're describing how everything's done. And mm-hmm. I was talking mm-hmm. about like, I, I really enjoy the like social aspects of science fiction. We'll talk, it could be the same story, but like we're coming at it from two different sides. Yes. And we each have, you know, like we'll have a few, uh, I just finished playing a game, so this is how I'm going to phrase it. We have skill points in the other area, but not nearly <laughs> as many. <laughs> Are you saying we have and... complementary builds, Erica? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> All right, two more questions. Erica, I'm going to start, start this off. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? No. Um, it's a place I want to go. Uh, my my now husband, Dave, aforementioned Dave, I've been trying to figure out where you want a honeymoon but I've also heard a lot of from natives being like, do not fucking come here. We have water problems. We, we need to sort our shit out. And I'm like, okay, maybe I won't go there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would like to, but I also want to be respectful of any like drought issues caused by all these resorts. <laughs> Let me circle back to that. I want to hear Ryan's answer before. <laughs> I have not been. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love to hear your opinion. <laughs> um oh no but um so erica um the water issue is more well right now i know the island of maui they're going through a drought right now um they have been for the last five or six years i'm gonna say it's mostly due to climate change the water issue we have on oahu it's because of the military and the um some of the and you know the fuel that leaked into one of the waters that goes to the military housing. Our our border. Well, I thought water. also partly with mm-hmm. the Maui stuff is like it's partly climate change, but then the resorts get priority. That part I don't know, but I wouldn't doubt it because right? okay, yeah. all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get a chance, uh, no, we're we're I I you know I like to think we're still friendly and we still say hello and aloha. <laughs> you know, so, so, well, I'm, I'm not afraid of getting attacked. I just, you know, oh, if well, people are saying this is the problem. Uh, yeah. I I want to, you know, I want uh, to consider that. No, but I, but I, no, but I, I think the thing, I think the main thing for all of us who live here in the state, I, the main thing is for us is when visitors come is to respect the islands, to respect the land. Um, and what I mean by that is because I'm sure and because like we've and I'm sure you probably may have come across some stories where uh, recent volcano activities on Kilauea, you know, it was very beautiful. People came by, they came in droves and everything. And then all of a sudden you see and then you see, you know, there's a picture of some guy taking a, taking a piss, you know, close to the crater. The unfortunate thing was, if I remember correctly, I think that was one of the local people that did it. And it was kind of like going, dude, what do you do? You know, or, you know, or right. you, or the other thing is sometimes on, I believe it was Mauna Loa last year, I think some snowboarder, he decided to do snowboarding down the side of that mountain. But it's like, but that mountain is sacred. You know, the Hawaiians really yeah. believe the mountain to be sacred. And the guy just did it without, yeah, you know, I can do this. And it's like, eh, no, you know, <laughs> so, so that, you know, so, yeah. So basically that, that, that's what, you know, but still, please come. <laughs> okay. All right. Last question. 
Ryan, I'm going to start us off with you. Any closing words to our listeners? Ooh, that is, I wish I had something eloquent. Um, I guess what I'll say is that um, Eric and I both really enjoy uh, the medium of comics. I think we both are super proud of the, the book we've made. Um, I feel like I can speak about it almost as if I didn't write it or didn't help write it because we did collaborate so closely that it feels like it's the work of this uh, other entity called Ryan and Erica and Ryan North here can be like, oh, check out this cool book I read. It's really neat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which I only ever experienced once before when I was doing the uh, Slaughterhouse-Five adaptation in the comics because there Kurt Vonnegut wrote it, Albert Montes drew it, and I felt like I could read this book almost as someone who did not script it <laughs> and be like, mm -hmm. isn't this really neat? This is really neat. Here's a cool book. You should check it out. So I will say again, here's a cool book and I hope you check it out. Erica? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it is this very strange thing where it is a really perfect amalgam of our ideas as we got closer and closer to the end and like things started merging. Like my, my husband is reading it now that we have our comps and every so often he'll be like, whose idea was this? Like, I can't always answer that question. <laughs> Like, and there'll be times. Well, Does he he'll say like it in an excited way or like an accusatory way? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, or we were listening. He listened to one of the interviews we did, or read one, and some there was like the divine right of kings was brought up, and he was like, "That was you. I know my wife." And I was like, "Nope, <laughs> that was not your wife." <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's. It is a, a very interesting little object in that way. Mm -hmm. um, it also was just great because I because I got to spend so long with it and you know, I did all the art myself and I got all the balloon placement and everything. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I drew the balloons too, but someone else put the letters down because I don't know, they have a very specific way they want to do it. Mm -hmm. But it really let me think about the craft of comics Mm -hmm. in a way that you can't when you have to do 20 pages in 30 days 20 pages in 30 days 20 pages in 30 days you know like I got to sit down and be like okay this doesn't work or this does work why is that I need to know and mm -hmm. I, I can sit there and think about it and then I don't know write a patreon post <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, on that I'm gonna close on that Ryan and Erica, I wish you guys all the success with danger and other unknown risk. Ryan, I wish you continued success with your run on the Fantastic Four. Thank you. Mahalo to both of you. Thank you in Hawaiian for your time and giving me the opportunity to interview the two of you. Thank you very much. And listeners, I have to point out, um, I want to point this out because I, and I told Ryan just at the beginning of the interview, before we started, I want to thank Ryan because I sent out um, an interview request to Ryan and he responded immediately. So I just, Ryan, thank you very much for the quick response. Very much. My pleasure. Like I said, you caught me at a good time when I was trying to keep my inbox down. <laughs> I'm not always that good. <laughs> Ryan, I understand. I, I still have stuff I got to catch up on, but yes, I understand. So now if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Ryan's run on the Fantastic Four. I, you know, I have enjoyed the first five issues. I can't wait to see what he does for issue six and issue number seven. Issue six comes out on April 12th. Issue seven, the 700th issue comes out on May 17th. Um, these stories, they're fun to read because it's action-packed and it also has heart to it. And like Ryan said, I love it because it's focusing on smaller stories, focusing on, on the Fantastic Four either as a team or as an individual. So that's what I really love. Also, two listeners, if you get a chance, please check out Danger and Other Unknown Risk from Peng Penguin Random House. That will be out in stores on April 4th. I believe we're going to be releasing the interview probably around that time. Now, if you get a chance, um, please check out this graphic novel. I love it because I thought I love the characters. I thought they're, they were well-rounded in a very complex story. Like Ryan said, yeah, I thought the story was going to go one way. There are twists and turns, and it's great. It really is. Also, too, if you love this book, please share your thoughts on Twitter using the hashtag unknown risk. And don't forget to tag Ryan, Erica, and at 
Penguin team. Now, I want to thank Drew, the Coast of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. If you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. 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 The good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit have been doing two episodes a week um, for quite some time now. And it's all thanks to, first of all, Jason. And second of all, our patrons who allow us to add the space on our server, broadcast more, store more, share more with you listeners. I'm envious of those of you who have unlimited storage and media server capabilities. We we pay for ours here at, at the C4FAP. It ain't cheap. We thank you so much for those of you who go to patreon.com slash comics fun profit and contribute at any level to say thanks to say i want to be a part of your slack channel conversations i want to get exclusives i want to get early access i want to get ad free access i want to get swag i want to get some free stuff whatever your reasoning is we appreciate it at any level because it does make a difference so from the bottom of kyle and i and jason's heart Thank you for contributing.